an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. I couldn't really live with not fix the hip, not try. I mean, if I, I rationalized in my head, yeah, I know that I could lose her by doing this. But the option of having her live as a zombie was something she made me promise that if she were a vegetable, there would be no way she wanted to be like that at all. So if we took a chance and we lost her, she was okay with that. And that made me feel confident in making the attempt to, to try to eke out more time with her. If we could get back to the time where she is enjoying herself, showing me that by her smile and her comfort with being affectionate, then I, I wanted that for her. So did my daughters. Yeah, so she's back to having quality of life. And you, you didn't know that going in, but thankfully, here you are. Dementia Discussions. Here to help and empower our heroic caregivers with knowledge and experience. Dementia Discussions with the caregivers themselves and memory loss professionals. Here to help with 30 years as a geriatric social worker is your Dementia Discussions host, Barbara Hammett. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Discussions. I'm Barbara Hammett. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome back Ted Snyder. I know Ted from our caregiver support group through Alzheimer's Los Angeles. Ted has faced an interesting situation with his wife, Rena, and so I've welcomed him back to talk about it. So, Ted, good morning. Welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Good morning. Likewise. Good to see you, too. So for those folks who didn't hear your first show, maybe give a little bit of background of you and Rena. Certainly. Rena and I have been married for about 58 years, and we've been friends for about 67 years, which means that we met when I was 13 and she was 12. Our friendship developed fairly quickly over the years, and we kind of stayed together until we realized that we were getting serious. We were married pretty early. We were married at 22 and 21 and had a wonderful journey together. Sure, there are ups and downs, as they're all in all marriages, but we've been very lucky. We've had a wonderful journey together. And then in 2013, actually before 2013, we noticed that my wife, my sweet wife, Rena, was forgetting things. And we did not realize that it, I was the, the forerunner of things to come. But she was actually diagnosed in January of 2013 with mild cognitive impairment. And that set in motion a whole new set of circumstances for our, our lives, as you might imagine. So anyway, for the, I'll summarize that for the, the next six, almost seven years, I took care of her at home and eventually was wise enough to get help for myself. And I found a lovely woman through an agency who spent four and a half years with us, starting taking care of Rena but one day a week at four hours a day. And by the time I finally had to give up the home care, the mo model we were using, that woman and another woman were taking her, helping me eight hours a day, seven days a week before I couldn't do that anymore. 
and I had to place her into a long-term care facility. And I did that in at the near the end of 2019. She was there at the long-term care facility till about March of this year, 2021, at which time she had been falling because she could walk, she could ambulate, but she needed supervision and she needed assistance because she wasn't all that stable. Anyway, she was at the place she was, there was a ratio of one caregiver for five residents. That means that no one had eyes on her all of the time. And that means she was able to walk and get up. So she was falling and hurting herself. And the last time she hit her head on the way down and uh, the whole side of her head was black and blue. And I just made the decision that between the medications they were giving her and her own frailty for her benefit, I decided to move her to a board and care, a six bed board and care in the neighborhood. That's where she has been since March of this year, 2021. Uh, Long about the end of August, she had a, a fall at the board and care and broke her hip. And that is where this story kind of begins. That's that wasn't in the original podcast. So mm-hmm. I think Barbara, you wanted to be to address that. Or? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think now at this point, her Alzheimer's has progressed quite a bit. She's clearly a long way down the road in terms of her dementia. Yes, I forgot to mention that at the original long-term care facility. In September of 2020, they requested that I put her into hospice care. And so she's been in hospice care in addition. First at the long-term care facility in September of 2020, she has remained a candidate for hospice at the board and care. So she has also that to contend with. Yeah, she has diminished her capacity. She's unable to communicate her thoughts, feelings, her own condition, her sense of pain. She's unable to verbalize any of that. And the one thing that she has over time responded to is music. She still is able to sing the tune and the words to many songs that come from the memory that is not impaired, even though most of her other memory functions are severely impaired. Her memory of music is very, very strong, and it brings her joy because she smiles the whole time when I play music for her. So, yes, her capacity has diminished. At the moment, she's kind of reached a plateau, but she does spend a lot of time in a dreamlike state. She does does not open her eyes, and sometimes she hums to herself when I'm not there, and uh, that's what her condition is. Right. So here she is now in a small facility. She's on hospice. She somehow gets up and falls, breaks her hip. You're right. She still enjoys music, but otherwise pretty impaired, and but still recognizes you, right? I think so. She doesn't know my name occasionally, but she responds to me as her husband. She does. I can talk about that, too. That is actually one of the reasons why when she broke her hip, I was really scared that this meant that we were closer to the end because of the options available when you break your hip. 
at her age, she's 79, the prognosis for the future wasn't very good. I would like to actually talk about what happened when the break happened at the end of August. The hospice nurse that was there visiting looked at her and said, we can't handle this here. Uh, She's got to go to emergency. So they had transported her by ambulance to Northridge Hospital. And Northridge Hospital scanned her, determined that there was a clean break in her hip from that fall. Yeah, and I don't think the fall was entirely the fault of the board and care. It wasn't. I think that they told me that she, for some reason, didn't want to go to bed and pushed off of it. She's still strong. She still has strength in her upper body. She pushed off away from the caregiver and he lost his grip on her. She went down, that's when the hip broke. Anyway, they sent her to Northridge. They determined she had broken her hip. Northridge decided because she was a Kaiser member that she should go to Kaiser. So they sent her by ambulance to Kaiser Panorama City. The surgeon who was going to be responsible for the surgery called me and gave me the dilemma, which was we cannot operate, which means that she will spend the rest of her time in pain. And with pain medication, she may be in a a condition where she will be unable to communicate anything at all. She'll be just in a zombie-like state with the pain keeping her comfortable, the pain medication keeping her comfortable. And I said, what's the option for surgery? And he said, well, we can operate, but then you have the, the, the danger from anesthesia You have the danger of blood clots. You have the danger of pneumonia. You have all kinds of things that not making out of recovery. You have all these issues taking chance with surgery, putting somebody under anesthesia at 79, who's already in the demented state, weakened state. So it was, this was the dilemma for me and my daughters. I talked to both of them. One of my daughters does not live here. She lives in Israel. So I had a Zoom meeting with my daughter here in Calabasas and my daughter in Israel. They were very supportive of my trying to get Rena more time of some kind of joy of being alive and being with us and and having the music and whatever else we could think of. And so we opted for the surgery. And that's when a whole new chapter began, actually. Yeah. Tell us about that. Okay. So we did the surgery early in September of this year, and she made it through the surgery. God bless. She made it through the surgery. She made it through recovery. She had a team of nurses that were very vigilant, and they called me to talk to me, too, about how she was doing and when she would be able to go back to the bedding care. And the surgeon said the surgery went well and that he realized that she could not qualify for any formal rehabilitation institution because she couldn't follow verbal instruction. And that was the key to going to any kind of convalescent environment or rehabilitative environment. She could not be accepted. When I talked to the owner of the board and care, that's why I said you didn't you hadn't thought of before the surgery, what would happen afterwards. I wasn't focused on that at all. I was focused on her getting through 
the surgery and staying alive and not being damaged by the anesthesia and all this other stuff. So I was really worried about all that. Yeah, you were right. I hadn't even thought about that and I didn't realize it. And then I got really upset because that meant that one of his conditions for her to get back to her ability to ambulate with assistance at the board and care was physical therapy after getting the healing of the hip, the incision, all that stuff had to go well for her to get to the point where she could do physical therapy to try to regain her capabilities. And so when he told me that she didn't qualify, I basically got really depressed. When I talked to the owner of the board and care, and she said, well, maybe we can do something. And so we got involved in a three-way conversation with the hospice liaison. The hospice liaison said that she would be willing to have her physical therapist train the caregiving staff at the board and care to get Rena the proper exercise and physical therapy that she needed three times a day so that she could make a possible recovery to her previous status of being able to, to get up, sit up, stand up, and walk with assistance. And that's what I said was my be my prayer. That was what I wanted. That's remarkable that they were willing to do this. There are several miracles along the way, I think. And that was another one of them. Anyway, weeks went by while the pain was going down from the healing of the hip. And they kept vigilantly moving her, changing her bandages, watching for infection. She never got infected. They finally got to the point where they removed the staples for the incision. They kept her clean, no bed sores, nothing. They really did a good job on her. They know what they're doing, these caregivers. And then the, I was there the day that the physical therapist came to train the caregivers. Now, to be honest, the caregivers, bless their hearts, do not speak English very well. They're all Filipino. So the head liaison from hospice is a Tagalog speaker. She oh, came. What a coincidence. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Absolutely. She came to translate what the physical therapist, who was English speaking only, taught the caregivers to translate. And then both of them made the caregivers do the actions that they were being taught so that the guys could observe them and make sure they were doing it right. So we went through all of this stuff where they had Rena get out of bed for the first time. She was sitting up. Then she, they had her stand up and hold her. They held on to her. Then they had her walk with a walker, something she had not done before. They were able to move her away from her bed with that walker. And then they decided to transfer her to the wheelchair. They had to learn how to do that and then wheel her in the wheelchair and then transfer her back to the walker and finally transfer her back to the bed. And we went through all of that and I was witness to it. So was my daughter. She was there to see how it was done so that actually we could wind up helping them. And when we're there with them and we actually do do that still today. So, yeah, so you were all trained, essentially all got trained. Right. Mm -hmm. and so I got to tell you, I'm I'm so honored and delighted by 
the fact that they have done what they said they would do. And Rena is actually now, as I come to visit her, I'm part of that process. She is doing well enough. She is actually able to sit up with me now, back up on our sofa, our little sofa that we have in her room. So she can sit for me with me for hours. They transfer her to get up. She goes out to the other room to eat. She doesn't eat. Everything was in the bed at the after recovery, an initial recovery. And so now she's up and about. And is she still on hospice? She's still on hospice. She hasn't. Obviously, you don't get better with dementia, but you do reach plateaus. And I think she's kind of on a plateau, although right now she is spending more time in that dream state. I do have to get her attention. But sometimes the music does it all for me. I mean, she, she does pay attention to the music. I must say the music's more enticing to her than I am. So <laughs> <laughs> verbal communication gets lost until unless I'm telling her how much I love her and kissing her on the cheek and stuff like that or whole, putting my arm around her. But she's still responsive. She's still affectionate. She's still singing her heart out <laughs> you know, when she when she gets the mood. Otherwise, she just hums and. You know, it's it is I'm blessed by all the time that I still have left with her when she's smiling. And that's what I live for now. Absolutely. She's such a bright light. She really is. Always has been right. Her sense of humor, her sparkly blue eyes. Yeah, just a really bright light. Thank you for taking us through your hard decisions there, because I think you did face a tough time and what to do. And it was a chance. You took a chance, right? And maybe there are some people who wouldn't understand taking that chance. But really, for you and your family, you did the right thing. And for Rena. Yeah, I couldn't really live with not fix the hip, not try. I mean, if I, I rationalized in my head, yeah, I know that I could lose her by doing this. But the option of having her live as a zombie was something she made me promise that if she were a vegetable, there would be no way she wanted to be like that at all. So if we took a chance and we lost her, she was okay with that. And that made me feel confident in making the attempt to, to try to eke out more time with her. If we could get back to the time where she is enjoying herself, showing me that by her smile and her comfort with being affectionate, then I, I wanted that for her. So did my daughter's. Yeah, so she's back to having quality of life. And you, you didn't know that going in, but thankfully, here you are. We took a chance and we got really lucky, as I say. That, that blessing covered us even further than the blessing of being married for all those years. So, lucky. I absolutely, absolutely. And your daughters get to spend more time with her as well. They do, and they are. It's an ongoing thing. So you talked about this tough time. Tell us a little bit about, aside from your family, and it sounds like who, daughters who are so supportive, are there other things that kind of got you through all this? Absolutely. I will credit, give credit where credit is due. I am blessed again by being a member of two caregiver support groups that have provided me with support for years now. I have been a member of two groups in particular both of which have been incredibly supportive of me. Um, I also was fortunate for quite a while to have a, a lovely therapist 
who also talked me through some of my more difficult and depressing times. And uh, I am forever grateful for that assistant. I mean, my, my relationship with my fellows in the caregiver support groups have developed into several man friendships. And that's on the outside of the caregiver support groups. And that has been a support to me, too. It is a wonderful, caring environment where people really do care because we've all been in this same struggle for a long time. So you don't have to explain yourself. People, they understand what you're going through. And that is a tremendous help. So thank you for asking that. Yeah, it's good to hear that you have that in your life. Everyone needs as much support, whatever it takes to get through these times are so difficult. And especially a decision like that, so hard to make. So I'm glad you have all that, in your, all, all the support in your life. Yeah, family helps too. <laughs> Not just my daughters, the, the rest of the family has been very supportive. And you must have done something right at the board and care for the staff to respond so positively and the hospice agency really to have responded so positively to you. Well, the kind of person I am is I try to be positive with people. I really want to be good to the people who are taking care of my loved one. So we always set a, a tone where even if there's something you, you have a concern about, you bring it well, nicely to the people and ask if things could be a little bit different or you talk to them directly. And if that's, you, you can't do that very well, you can talk to the owner. The owner is very, very understanding and does respond to requests. And uh, that's a good thing. Being friendly and compassionate to others is a very good starting point. And the fact that Rena herself is not in her dementia, she has never been abusive or never been angry. So different people handle dementia different ways. And I've seen it. I've been around long enough to see that some people are bombastic because of the disease and uh, where we've been blessed. So because of that, because they like her, <laughs> I think, as a person they're serving, they take really good care of her. The fact that she didn't get any bed sores and that she's always clean and there's never any odor from the incontinence shows a lot of caring and doing the job correctly. So I am pleased and proud of that. And so I honor that in my way, in my interaction. I think that's pretty important. You really have to strike a good demeanor when you're dealing with people who are taking care of your loved one. It's really important. I agree. Yeah. Just no matter what happens, a show of respect and appreciation goes a long way. Yeah. Because you know how hard that job is. You've been doing it yourself for a long time. So and yeah. that's a thankless job. Absolutely. That is true. It's very high pressure also. Good. Good that you have responded. I mean, here she broke her hip there. You don't know what happened, but right. you you did not take it out on anyone. No blame, nothing. You just went forward, moved forward with what the decisions you needed to make. Blaming somebody is about the worst thing that, that one could do if you still expect these people to take care of her. 
And the fact that they stepped up the way they did, both the owner and the hospice, I mean, the owners, it's repurposing her caregivers. It's taking time out of their day away from whatever else they might do, because it takes time to get Rena up and get her exercising, walking and sitting up and sitting down and get standing up and sitting down. All that stuff takes time. So for her to commit to that was an awesome thing. And then for the hospice guys to step up and do the training and monitoring, they're monitoring it. So the when the nurses come, they ask them to do it. They ask them to actually move her. So it's been a, a win-win. It's another, you bring up a really interesting point. This whole issue of relationship between the caregivers and who's responsible for the loved one and the, the group that's taking care of her is one of the most important relationships that there can be. And so if you're a fault finder or you're going to be like that, you're going to lose. You don't ever want to do that with the people who are taking care of your loved one. Very important. Yeah, could not agree more. Absolutely. No matter what happens, no matter what mishap happens. Yeah. You focus on your loved one and her, her health and whatever is happening with her. It doesn't help anybody to figure out whose fault it was. It doesn't help anyone. The fact is she fell and she broke her hip and you deal with that, not who's responsible for it. Point well taken. Ted, thank you for coming on and talking about this situation, which I find so interesting in your decision and how you made your decision. Fascinating. I think it's great that you brought in your family, brought in your peers from groups, anyone who you could. I think that's great and really made a very mindful decision. That's what it sounds like to me. You really, and we saw it. We saw you deliberate in group what to do. You were in this kind of turmoil and we saw you work through it. And here you are on the other side. So thank you for coming on and talking about this today. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, it was a, a pleasure. I'm hoping that my experience will help others. I really do. Yes, it will. And thank you. I, I should say I appreciate you. So, all right. Have a great day. You too. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Dementia Discussions. If you're a caregiver or know someone who's a caregiver that would like to be a guest on the show, please call me at 310-362-8232 or go to DementiaDiscussions.net forward slash contact and let me know. It takes courage because not everyone's willing to do that. I would love to have you. Remember that you can follow Dementia Discussions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you would leave a review. For any other information about this podcast, please visit me at DementiaDiscussions.net. And please share this podcast with someone you know if you think it may help. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you here again next time on Dementia Discussions. <laughs>